0: Hi everyone, it's Lauren Hubelay here, and I'm back with How We Heal, the place where we bring together Asian medicine, polyvagal theory, and gemotherapy to help you along your personal path of healing. Um, Today, I welcome back my co-host, Megan Limp. Megan, good to see you.
1: Hi, it's great to be with you again. And Cameron Scott. Wonderful to be here. And my cat who just needed some co-regulation has decided to join us, however briefly.
0: Her name's Katie. Katie, we have a new co-host here. This is wonderful. (laughs) The group is growing. (laughs) So ladies, I'm really excited about our topic today, um, particularly because it was one that was very obscure to me until I could start seeing it in action. And once I did, I have to really say to you, it's been a total game changer for me. And in my time in Europe, I found it showing up again and again. And that is the idea of bringing in the ingredients of context, choice, and co-regulation in order to help me feel safe Um, in situations that might feel a little awkward otherwise. And I'm really excited that you both are willing to share some personal examples with our listeners today. Um, I think everyone can benefit from that. And I want to extend this encouragement to our listeners that of the simplicity of this. It seems utterly ridiculous. That something so simple can change a situation. Um, but I think we all can attest to the fact that it is a game changer. Megan, I know you had a real interesting example. Can you share a little bit with our listeners today?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so grateful that you're inviting in this conversation about context choice and connection, because, you know, in reflecting on how polyvagal theory has affected. Uh, my personal and professional life, I realized that it has, there's some freedom in understanding the why, because it gives us a greater sense of self-awareness and a greater sense of awareness about what's going on with our loved ones. And so it's offered me the why, not only of uh, understanding myself in the sense of how I get dysregulated, but also understanding the why of when those glimmers, as Cameron says, or those moments of regulation happen, understanding and having the self-awareness of why I do feel safe and regulated sometimes. And so I love the exploration of this because this isn't something that I'm hearing too many other people dive deep into. And let's, I would love to understand more about why I feel safe. So, um, I would like to invite you in to this little sacred space that I hold in my life. And that is the time that I spend early, early in the morning with a few dear friends um, exercising. And this is a space that I was invited into, you know, I'm not sure if it was maybe five years ago or six years ago, but a number of years ago, some friends that I had met um, in our neighborhood here in St. Louis. I knew that they were getting up ridiculously early and um, exercising together and having uh, a cup of tea or coffee or something. And they had invited me a few times and I thought the world of these people, but I really didn't wanna get up before the sun rose and exercise. That was a no for me, (laughs) but it was somebody's birthday and I went and uh, I, the connection piece, was immediate, there was this resonance, and I felt safe and I felt inspired. um, And I felt like I wanted to have this piece in my life where I could connect with this wonderful group of women. But the other two pieces of it, the context and the choice, those were still a no for me. And it has been this beautiful, interesting journey to it transforming And these pieces, the context, choice, and connection, all coming online. And that's where I am today. And so I've watched my journey with this into what has now feels like one of the safest places in my life. Mm -hmm. So the connection piece was immediate for me. But the context felt, you know, I was neurocepting. No, I didn't want to get up early, early. And I didn't want to pound the pavement and do something that felt Unsafe to my body. Um, but as I started to explore it, I decided to just explore it a few times. And the way that I felt afterwards, you know, we all talk about endorphins and adrenaline, but there was something more than that. And what I realized um, was that the second piece came online for me, and that was the context. And for me, this particular context had a lot to do with my body and what it is like to feel safe in my body. And it had a lot to do with my sense of proprioception, I believe now looking back on it, which essentially without being fancy, uh, I have come to learn is how my body interacts with the space that it's in and how I sense that. And I seem to be somebody who craves and finds safety, when I have a sense of my proprioceptive sense. So where my body is in space, um, where I have a sense of that. So um, that feels like burying myself under covers and wrapping myself in blankets sometimes. Sometimes it feels like massage or deep pressure. And in this case, you know, this rhythm of walking or jogging seemed to create this sense in my body that started to create regulation and calm, but it was an active calm and it was a rhythmic calm. And the context came online for me that my body started saying yes to that. And I didn't feel pressure. I wasn't training for anything. I didn't have any goals in it, but I went out there and my body started to relax and feel energized and say yes. And then the third piece of choice just naturally came for me because I decided that this didn't have to be an obligation, that this was a safe place and an inspired place that I would offer to myself. And the choice became yes. And on days when the choice is no, I don't go. So um, anyway, here I have this um, beautiful early morning ritual that transformed from something that didn't feel safe into something that really,
0: really is nourishing for me. Wow, Megan, I can see you've really reflected on that. Has it just been recently that all this has come together in your mind that you've seen what this does for you?
2: So again, I knew that I could have told you a few years ago that this is nourishing and that this is a yes for me, that all the parts of my being that my body and my mind and my spirit all say yes to this. But I don't think that I understood why. And again, I was okay with that. But the self-awareness of the components for me now helped me and translate to other parts of my life that I know the ingredients that lead to me feeling safe and nourished.
0: Beautiful. This this body, mind and spirit all saying yes is huge. And, And it relates to a topic uh, before recording conversation, Cameron and I were saying, and I think in the times that we're living in right now, checking in with those, it's so important. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks for that share, Megan. Cameron, what does this mean to you?
1: Uh, So much. And particularly just looking back at my recent few days, because this is the stuff I teach. This is the stuff I hold with other people. This is something I work with very actively. And especially the, you know, it's more often my, my place to hold the context, the choice and connection. And, and on a small scale, I bumbled due to technology, two sessions and really, you know, felt my energy. When how was, When context, choice and connection, I wasn't offering simply by arriving to a session 10 minutes late. There was no context. There was no choice for the other autonomic nervous system and definitely no um, chance for immediate connection. And so I practiced and thought it was so useful to have what we call, you know, the act of rupture and repair, which really is a conversation between systems. And I thought, how how enlightening, because so much of what we communicate in ourselves to our Brain in our environment to our brain, and, and when we're in discussion with another autonomic nervous system, it's happening long before we open our mouths in every moment. And I love, Lauren, you bringing this body, mind, and spirit because my real aha <laughs> place in the last couple of weeks is um, I've worked for two decades with a wonderful muscular therapist. I have a, a body that gets a little quirky from time to time, and probably since the beginning of the year, it's been quirky in my neck, which is you know, then holding tension, holding pain, holding discomfort, limiting, you know, and ease with sleep, limiting an ease with many of the things that I love to do, just, you know, whether it's cooking or swimming or whatever. Yeah. And I find I worked with my um, muscular therapist, you know, and, and she's such a, a wise soul. Um, and then I worked, she said, I think maybe a chiropractor would help. So I engaged this wonderful new chiropractor and I went in and, you know, I, things would last for a, a little bit, maybe a day, maybe two days, but I found this place of despair welling up in me. It's like, but I'm not really getting better. And please hear that. What was the missing ingredient in I'm not getting better. It's still hurting. And I, as much as I try and, and now, you know, I've, got kinesio tape on my in, And I went into my muscular therapist um, uh, just this past week. And, and we talked again about the logistics of what was going on in my body. And then she said to me, Cameron, and it's really important to work in that good body conversation. And my jaw dropped because all of a sudden she's speaking my language. What is my neuroception of my situation. What is happening between my body and my brain? And and it was not a conversation of safety. I'm like, what's wrong with me? And I'm like, I'm in pain, I can't. And, And then, come on, you gotta do better. You gotta push, push, push. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I've spent the last three, almost four months fighting myself because I didn't realize within the struggle And let's all be human here. Once we're really engaged in that struggle, that wonderful ventral vagal is not accessible. And I feel like, oh, the good body conversation was my invitation to really bring my body along and, and be present and engaged. And it has been phenomenal. We're now making progress. After months of essentially banging my head against the wall, really. And I'm like, come on. But, you know, that's where an update with ventral vagal allows the autonomic nervous system to perceive and shift where it formerly felt it didn't have all the ingredients, least of which was safety, which then takes us into those, you know, contortions within our brain, within our body. And, And this piece of work that I am just welcoming. Um, has also taken me at um, a spirit level to the ways in which I tend to feel burdened and these are old beliefs and these are things I've learned through the legacy of my family not all consciously but I'm taking the opportunity to to be in that awareness and that curiosity to what it feels like when I'm not feeling the burden and is it possible to invite the burden, you know, back into the history of from whence it came and and what's possibly true for me now. <laughs> because it's the history of trauma, it's the sensitivity, and what it feels like in spaciousness when I have the safety, in spaciousness when I have a different context. And I feel choice, and it's just been, you know, I, and I have an ability to laugh at myself. It's like, of all people, Cameron, duh. <laughs> Welcome on to yourself when, you know, this is the stuff I work with all the time, but couldn't see the forest for the trees. And now I'm doing it in an appreciative way.
2: <laughs>
1: and it feels yeah. so different, right, Cameron? Completely, like night and day. I mean, that ex- expression, I couldn't see the forest for the trees. I was like, I lost, I don't know what I'm doing. I, so much mobilization, so much triggering of old stuff. And, 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 and the stories completely intensified the state.
2: Cameron, that's such a beautiful story of your journey and also co-regulation, but I think, you know, the three of us have very different modalities that we practice, but there's a lot of also underlying similarity in the way that we hold space and show up for people. And I, I think it also, let's be honest, and like Cameron, you said, we are all human and we're all on this journey. And I think it's really good for our listeners also to understand that even though, you know, this, we're on this autonomic journey and this practice in our personal and professional lives this is the power of us showing up for each other and holding space for each other that that doesn't disappear just because um you know this is part of our this is sure. part of our career yeah. we're still on this journey all of us yeah
0: oh yes oh yes. yeah yeah <laughs>
2: And oh, I think the vul, I think the vulnerability of that is actually very magnetic. I think there's a lot of power in that instead of weakness.
0: Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Well, speaking of journeys, as you both know, I just took a, the long journey <laughs> because that is the only way to get between Europe and the U.S. These days is by the long route. And um, but I had these two very different experiences that I thought highlighted this so beautifully Um, at two different airports. Now, let's all take with us all the baggage we're all bringing already to showing up in an airport these days, right? Um, Even pre-COVID, everyone shows up with a lot of emotional baggage at the airport, right? But now we have this... um, constantly changing set of rules and thoughts and um, ideas of what would make us safe or whatnot and I had these two it could not have been more polar opposite experiences so let me start with uh, the the one that was not giving me cues of safety nor was it giving anyone else in in the area cues of safety and this was at um, the Amsterdam airport, and um, you arrived at the gate for your flight. And there's a lot of new paperwork that's required now, just within the last couple of weeks and um, boarding procedures. And it, within the gate are all the people that are going to board the plane, but in a very unusual setting, they're all standing. Now, you don't normally see that. So right away, that sets off a cue of danger for me. Like, uh, why is everyone standing? It's an hour and a half till the flight. What's going on? Usually that means the flight's canceled, or right? And everyone's standing. And then the um, delightfully overworked four or five um, flight attendants are milling around in the group asking questions. And of course, you don't know what question they're answering, asking. And so you're trying to get in what, what what's going on here, right? And they're handling people individually and putting some kind of sticker on their paperwork. And um, but but in no order or no line or no su- like so context completely gone. Right. Off, Just I have no idea. Choice. Well, I know I have to be there, and I don't really have a choice how I'm going to do this because it already feels disorganized, and I'm connecting with every person there. What what's going on? What what are they doing? And what was really interesting was everyone there. Now we're talking about 150 people were going through the same process over and again. So over the course of an hour, this built and there was this sense of ill-ease. Do we have what we need? Is something going to happen? And yet never was an overarching framework for context given, right? People boarded the plane, still feeling ill at ease. You could it was palatable the entire flight. Like, is everything okay? What happened? There was never any um, clarity brought to the the scene. and and it included the whole onboarding process. So that's what that felt like. And in my body, I felt tense the entire time, tense on the flight. this I couldn't quite come out of that mobilized, a hyper alert like am I missing something what's going on we show up in Geneva airport in Switzerland completely different experience and immediately I felt my whole body relaxing so this is beautiful now it is Switzerland <laughs> immediately as you approach your gate there's a monitor with a film going And on the film is exactly what is going to be required of you in this process. And it's looping and it's not um, stimulating. It's very, you know, one person and they're actually walking through the process as if they were in the airport. You're going to go here. You're going to do this. This is what we're going to ask. And immediately I went. So did everyone around me (laughs) and, and you notice the noise level coming down because there wasn't this buzzing. There was this um, co-regulation even going on, just standing there together. Like, Oh, we're all together. We know what to do. We have our contacts. We can follow this. This is good. And Everyone was able to sit down, relax, maybe even relax enough to read a book (laughs) in a completely day and night situation. Nothing changed for the external environment, right? We still had all of these challenges we were faced. We still had um, the ill ease of traveling. And yet by offering this very clear context, shifted the whole game. To me, it could not have been a more clear example. And I was so filled with gratitude, right? At that point, like, thank you, whoever thought that was a good idea.
2: I have been exploring, you know, thinking about these three context, choice and connection. And Lauren, what you're saying is really resonating for me and helping me to get a little deeper into this exploration because when you were in Geneva and when you're in Amsterdam, the choice piece wasn't at play, right? You sort of had to be there. And it seems like we encounter a lot of situations in our day to day life where the choice piece might or might not be something that's in our control at that moment. So that then leaves these other two ingredients for us the context and the connection. And Cameron, maybe you can help us explore this a little bit further. Because it seems to me that the the connection piece, you know, in my situation that we started with the connection piece was online right away. But it wasn't enough to get me to safety. Because the context of, um, you know, getting up so early, or the idea of pounding the pavement and hurting my body, these, the context of it was such a no, that the connection wasn't enough. So it it leaves me wondering, often in my personal experience, the context almost seems to be the root or the the nucleus of this process for me sometimes, that if I can get the context to um, feel safe, Mm -hmm. that sometimes the other two organically shift. Uh, And I was reading something about proprioception as I was realizing what a big impact my body and knowing where it is in space and whether that feels safe to me or not and the rhythms of the way I move. Um, So I was reading about proprioception this morning and I was reading that it's often a sense, first of all, that we don't know about and we don't talk about and we're not aware about, but it creates organization for people in the brain, this proprioception. It's often thought about as the sense that creates safety through organization. And I thought, wow, because for me, context um, comes when I have a sense of what's expected, Lauren, like you said, or um, you know w- what it's gonna look like, or the structure and organization of it, not in a rigid way, but just in an understanding way. Helps that context to be there for me.
0: I feel it must be the root. I, But something came up for me. And Cameron, I'm jumping in. But it, I, I wanted to hear your feedback on this. I'm wondering how much that has to do with our histories. That mm-hmm. I know for me, Megan, I, I would say 100% context rules. And that's because I came from a very chaotic background and uh, child rearing ages. And I context is everything. If I can get the context, I can figure out the other two, one way or another. But I'm wondering maybe for other people, you know, connection is really the, the driver. Cameron, have you noticed a difference between these three in your work? Yes, and and it is uniquely biased by
1: our former experiences, for better or worse. And and just remembering the whole function of the autonomic nervous system is through neuroception and awareness, body, environment, and other autonomic nervous systems is either for the invitation and the cues of safety, which easily allows us a lot of flexibility in discovering context, choice, and connection, or if that those cues for safety are not there through neuroception, we won't have that enough ventral vagal because we're neuroception danger it, it, and, and that's before it gets to our brains. We're gonna already be minus enough ventral vagal to, to have perspective, curiosity, what's going on, what's missing, what do I need? And again, much like you in the airport, are you, you know, trying to figure out, Megan, you know, there's something missing here. There's not all those cues of safety were initially in place. That brings us back to that practice of naming and noticing, because that's that pause point between the cues that are coming up to our brain and the interpretation. And if there's not enough safety, there's not enough ventral vagal, our brain is going to try to assign a story that looks like something we already have experienced. Wow. And if that previous experience was not a positive one and was not filled with safety, guess where we're going?
2: Exactly.
1: <laughs> it's not a pretty picture, is it? But it's how biology works. It's working in the interest of let's figure this out, especially if there's not enough cues for safety because uh, whatever's coming up to my brain, kind of feels like looks like something that already happened. So that's where our systems start to, to mobilize or, or then mobilize with detachment because it's just not available. And what our systems really need at that moment is enough ventral vagal within ourselves, within connection to, to, to other people, with connection to our environment that allows us a little more safety. And then if any of those variables are still missing, we have the ability to, to look for it, to know what's missing, to potentially reach in or reach
0: out or, or around. You know, for for our listeners, I think I, I'd like to really bring this home um, in, in wrapping up our conversation on this is how we can invite those in ourselves. I mean, obviously in there are situations that just make that challenging. I mean, if we take my personal example of the airport, there wasn't a lot I could have done. But I have found when I don't understand the context, that is my weak link. And so making an effort on my part to understand the context in a place where I don't feel threatened and I'm not already mobilized has been brilliant in helping me um, move through situations that I might've avoided in the past. Yeah, and it really is
1: state precedes story. So we, we can really enrich that practice of noticing what state we're in. If we continue to be in a mobilized state, we're not gonna have much access to finding that whatever the missing ingredient is, for you, it's that context. So what we hope to increase in skill and while on our way to befriending our autonomic nervous system is, wow, I'm really mobilized right now and bring whatever we can in that awareness back to a little bit more, just even a little bit more ventral vagal because then we can actually articulate to ourselves and perhaps others that, wow, you know, context is missing for me. I'm not feeling safe in this moment. And that opens the door to
0: finding context. Exactly. Yeah. So any last thoughts on this topic, ladies? Megan, what about you?
2: Yeah, um, thank you. I think that this has been a beautiful conversation. It's been an honest and a vulnerable conversation. And there's, it leaves me um, really feeling more self-aware that you know our autonomic nervous systems are unique to each of us and informed by our past. And starting to understand my own autonomic patterns and the ingredients that personal to me help me find safety in a moment and therefore access ventral in a moment. It has been, um, it has really shifted everything. It shifts my perception. And we all know the power of shifting your perception,
1: um, and so thank you for this. Yeah, and it's a conversation, and it's about the process mm-hmm. because the piece for all of us is it's not magic. It, it, it's simply, and and here I am. I have been studying and working with my autonomic nervous system for a decade. It, you know, I should know better, but sometimes it's that gentle vulnerability. Is like something's missing right now. I, I'm not feeling. And and simply how we can reapproach ourselves, or you know, find you know even name with enough safety, just a, a, a little itty bitty bit to continue to hold whatever is is happening.
2: Yeah, I think um, Cameron, you told a beautiful part of your story that was about co-regulation with your muscle therapist, and mm-hmm. I just want to again reiterate that it is a practice and that. Um, If you don't have somebody in your life who is talking about the autonomic nervous system, or is on this journey with you, that tuning in, this is creating a space where um, you can co-regulate with us and you can become more self-aware about your autonomic nervous system with us just as we are each week.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what I needed, which was so wonderful, that moment that the muscular therapist was working with me what she said had meaning, but what the neuroception was, it's just, you know, Cameron, sometimes as she strokes the the uh, covers on her working table, our body just really needs, our system just really needs that good body. And and my neuroception was already drawn to what was offered. I know it can come full circle to having a cat on my shoulder. She decided she needed that. But, all in that moment when we know something's missing, you know, to be able to appreciate that, and can we can we find it somewhere, somehow, <laughs> someplace? Because sometimes connection, that third C, um, isn't available in another person, or isn't available in uh, you know, our, our, within our body at that moment. So maybe it is a moment looking out the window at, at the beauty of nature or it's touching something soft, whether it's an animal or a, a scarf or smelling something. I mean, there, you know any of those little wonderful ventral vagal anchors that just kind of help invite us back into that process.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Well, I'd really like to invite our listeners to continue on this journey with us and come co-regulate with us. We're all learning together, we're learning how we heal, which is such an important lesson that we continue to learn all of our life. I would like to ask one thing of our listeners, and we want to get this wonderful message we're sharing out in the world, so you can help us. And there are three things you can do. You can share this with a friend, colleague, or family member. Um, get that link out there. You can leave a review on wherever you're listening to this podcast, which would be a wonderful gift to us. And then finally, you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And um, we would be so grateful for any of those steps you're willing to take. Ladies, thanks for your time again and for sharing so deeply. And I look forward to our next recording.